Hello, listeners. Welcome to Brothers in Song. Joe, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling excellent. Uh, it was a good end of the week. We, we survived the superstorm that was coming. It was, you know, lots of rain and whatever, but it uh, looks like to be a fun weekend. And uh, excited to be here tonight to talk about uh, a great album, just a phenomenal album. Uh, yeah, we, I survived the storm over here as well. I had my galoshes and my slicker on, um, so I've managed to stay dry. And um, <laughs> today's, today we have a special guest. Um, that, that man you hear laughing in the background is Kelsey Warren, and, and he's, he picked the album that we're, we're going to talk about today. And uh, I'm going to give everyone a, a brief introduction of uh, who Kelsey is. Um, Kelsey makes music under the moniker Black Emoji, and uh, it is uh, his brainchild. Uh, Kelsey is a New York City producer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist. His style blends pop inspirations with an emphasis on electronic music, synth sounds, and intricate writing. And uh, uh, Kelsey has received a variety of accolades from notable publications, including Rolling Stone, Afropunk, uh, Line Best of Fit, Bust Pop Music, Vampire Freaks, and Ghost Cult Magazine. Warren was immersed in soul and R&B and pop music growing up in South New Jersey, uh, but after learning piano concertos, jazz guitar standards, drums, and other instruments, Warren threw a monkey wrench of hip-hop, punk, and minimalist classical, uh, which took his sonic journey to new destinations. He supplemented his ever-expanding musical taste with a dense love of electronic music and synth-pop inspiration from Kraftwerk, Prince, and Nine Inch Nails. Uh, in 2019, uh, Kelsey uh, assembled a brief European solo tour. Uh, he did a, a solo New York City residency um, he decided to produce and direct a debut political musical documentary covering the presidential election, which I recommend everybody checks out. Uh, and uh, quarantine didn't slow Kelsey down either. Uh, he spent the pandemic producing numerous artists, directing music videos, and uh, dropping an avant electronic instrumental black emoji album called Antidote, which on a personal note, helped me get through the early days of quarantine. So thank you for that. And um, black emoji is anticipating the release of a new album and an expanded sound. Uh, and like the rest of the world, uh, Kelsey is more than ready to return to live performances, especially with his bandmates, um, Silvana Joyce, Brian Percival and Max Maple. And um, I should also mention that Black Emoji's new single, Swooning on You, was released recently. It's great. I definitely re recommend that everyone check that out. And uh, without further delay, I'd like to welcome Kelsey Warren to the program. How you doing, I'm, my friend? I'm good. Thank you. Thunderous applause. Can you insert that, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like our like my shows. No, it's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Kelsey, why don't you tell the folks uh, what album we're going to be discussing today? Sure. We are going to discuss Songs in the Key of Life by the great Stevie Wonder, Stephen Morris. Um, definitely one of my favorite albums. It's 
one of those albums that nine times out of 10, it's on a critic's top 10 list or top 100 lists of albums you listen to before you die and stuff like that. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's in the Library of Congress. It won a Grammy for album of the year. Um, it's such a bizarre album for a pop album. And especially then it's just, there's so much, so many styles on it, you know, and he's always had a thing where it was R&B based, but there's a lot of pop obviously and, and rock and jazz, but this album is everything. It's, there's like funk on it. There's, there's like Baroque on it. There's classical, it's like a jazz fusion, uh, everything except for maybe avant-garde, like free jazz is on this album there's harps there's acoustic guitars there's um spanish there's it's all over the place but it has a definitive sound and it was uh i think he was at a crossroads at that time and uh he came off of winning grammy a grammy for album of the year two years in a row so basically like i, I can't think of any other artists who's accomplished that so he released an album, one Grammy for album of the year, released another one, Grammy for album of the year, took a year off, and then uh, this album came out. I think there was, there's like the famous clip of Paul Simon who won album of the year before Songs of the Key of Life. And he's like, I want to thank Stevie Wonder for not releasing an album this year. <laughs> so, you know, get some shine. So it's an incredible, it's an incredible record. It still holds up. It was for the times. It's ahead of the time musically, um, uh, lyrically as well. Definitely, there's issues on that album that we're dealing with today. You know, there's political stuff. There's fun stuff. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's some dark stuff on that album too. But it's such a beautiful album. But it, you know, there are songs with it real deep dark lens it's just something in it for everyone and i don't think there's been a an album since still to this day a lot of great albums but it's it's songs in the key of life is almost in its own category not just for stevie wonder but for successful pop albums successful american pop albums period it's definitely one of the best american pop albums ever so yeah and it's just it's just so epic and it's scope too i mean and like now you can obviously release an album digitally and make it as long as you want right but he, he released an album that's almost two hours long they needed they needed two lps and one seven inch ep to get all the songs in there that's right yeah. um, so really really ambitious um yeah. and uh you know at this point um since we haven't heard from from Joe in a little bit, um, I was curious, what were your kind of first impressions as an uninitiated person listening to this? To, I mean, uh, I'll just preface this by saying, you know, there's going to be a lot of fawning in this episode for, for, for our listeners because, you know, as Kelsey laid out really, really, really well, you know, this is really one of the best, albums ever ever created and um you know i think i think he was 26 when this came out and and you know 
and and my research texting Dan earlier in the week. I was like, you know, it took me a little while to get through it because it's so long. And, you know, I just, you know, just life gets in the way and you get interrupted because because you want to keep listening to it. Right. Like because everything's new and interesting. But but then I was doing a little bit of research and he was considering really retiring from music before he created this and taking a step back and, you know, doing more philanthropy. He had obviously been incredibly successful and was financially secure. And he he was at the end of his contract. And so he signed a seven year, I think it was like a $37 million contract with Motown. But the key of this contract is that he had absolute creative control. And I think probably that was, I mean, I'm sure he wanted to get paid and as he should, you know, being, being where he was in his career. But I think that was probably the thing that he would not bend on. And credit to the, to the label, they said, whatever you need, you get. And then you get this, you know, magnus opus essentially of, you know, him just creating music telling you know it's so i i, I mean I, I didn't get into all the details but it seems like it's very biographical you know a lot of the things of things that happened to him in his life and and different experiences that he had and you know putting them into music and having all these different styles you know i i was blown away just completely blown away and and you know the the surprising thing to me is that it's just there's so many different elements to it and and it's my own it's my own fault that like i have not listened to this closely yet in all my years and listening to music um so i was i was you know i i i can't even put into words because it, it was so crazy how i was like wow there's so much stuff in here and, and we'll have to start to unpack it um because because it was pretty epic yeah i mean my the only thing I, I would, you know, kind of add to that is that, you know, growing up, and I've said this before on the program, a lot of early music that I that I heard and kind of made an impression on me was a lot of kind of light rock favorites, you know, mm -hmm. from, <laughs> you know, listening, listening to my in my mom's car. Um, and so the Stevie Wonder that I knew was like, I just called to say, I love you, Ebony and Ivory, part-time lover, things like that. And I love part-time lover, by the way, but, um, I, I really wasn't prepared at all for just how good and how dense this was and just all of the relevant you know, still relevant social commentary. And I really don't think it's hyperbole to call this a work of genius. And, um, you know, Kelsey, I'm, I'm wondering, um, you know, how did you discover this record? Like, what was your first contact with this? And, and why is this, you know, really meaningful for you? It was just in the house. <laughs> yeah someone was playing it one day and it just stuck it's 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 weird i don't remember exactly the first time i heard it but it's always an album it doesn't matter like when you discover it but when you do discover it it's really crazy you know it's i knew 
the singles. You know, I knew I Wish and Sir Duke because they're played everywhere mm-hmm. to this day. You know, um, they'll always be played. And they'll never go away, which is cool. And a couple other the album favorites uh, as uh, Isn't She Lovely. Um, but, and they're all brilliant songs, but there's like 16 others or 17. <laughs> long al- it's a long album, but it does, it's not boring. You know, it's not at all, not at all. Like you said, like Joe was saying, it's like, it's, it's a lot, but you want to keep listening. You want to go to the next chapter and each song is like a chapter. It's, it's, it's really a sonic book, you know? And, uh, but discovering this album as a whole and just listening to it, it's just, it's just like, hey, the guy's 26 at the time or 24 at recording and it sounds like a 40 year old did it. Like it's so, the arrangements, everything that went into this album. And it's also, you know, Motown was a strange thing because it's kind of like you have early Stevie where it's really this teeny pop stuff. Right, and right. He, as he gets older, he wants to have, you know, creative control and start doing different music that's a little more adult. And he ended up getting that a little later on with Music on My Mind and Talking Book. So he had more control and the music started to change and he had like a whole different thing. But then there was another step with Songs in the Key of Life where it was like, if he had 90% control, of sound and stuff, this time was Andre. Like this, I think he's, this is the first one he quote, produced by himself. Mm-hmm. And you know, he basically had, a, I forgot the names of the guys, but these two guys who were just really on the pulse of uh, electronic music and synthesizers at, at a time when nobody else was. So they were like, like the three musketeers for the last couple albums. And they're still on this album, but this is definitely Stevie's, like, I'm gonna kinda, go away into the bedroom and come up with some of the craziest, most amazing pop stuff. Can I curse? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Whenever you want, man. <laughs> most amazing pop shit you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's where we're all at with this. Like, we, we've, we've run out of adjectives, so we're just going to start cursing. <laughs> because, it's, because it's just so good. Um, but uh, you know, now is about the the point in the show where where Joe and I usually talk about you know our favorite songs, and you know I'd like I'd like for each of us to kind of share you know maybe one or two favorite songs. I know it's hard to you know to narrow it down, especially with with an album like this. Um, but uh, how about we let our our guest uh, Kelsey go first? What what's your favorite song? Like just instinct. What's your favorite song? Quick. <laughs> uh, I think like I mean, oh, that's a, that's really difficult. I'll I'll say like if maybe can I give like two or three? Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I wish is played all the time. I get it. It's the big hit. I think it was the first single, but I'm still not tired of it. It's it's a song where you know I love Sir Duke, but I, I'm like okay, I hear Sir Duke all the time, but there's something about I wish that I'm like I. I'm so addicted to this tune, you know? And lyrically, it's just like a light song where it's just talking about growing up and, you know, back in the day. It's just a song about back in the day and who can't relate to that? Mm-hmm. And there's something about just the 
man, it's so funky. It's like the funkiest thing he had since Superstition. So there's that. The bass line is just crazy. It's got one of my favorite bass runs in a pre-chorus period. I just love this song. I'll never get sick of it. Um, and my crazy pick is a song called Contusion. Mm. And I love this tune. I used to play this on guitar when I actually had better skills. And to me, it's just, I just love the melody. I love everything about it with the backgrounds and how it builds, the band is killing it. And it's just, it's an instrumental, you know? It's uh, Mike Cimbello on guitar, incredible guitar player. He's been with Stevie, um, I think maybe a couple albums before he was in the band and he really shines on this album. So like, that's his song. You know, later on, he became uh, the guy who did Maniac. Oh, really? <laughs> that song, that was a big hit. But Michael was like this studio cat on a lot of R&B and jazz albums. And um, this, I love this song. I used to give guitar lessons and I would, this was one of the songs that I would, you know, push on students. Like, Rare. play this tune, because it's just, it's incredible. Or, um, you know, sometimes you hear this song my ex told me this story about this guy who was like a metalhead and but like strict guitar so he didn't like anything he didn't even like Stevie Wonder it's like you know you don't like Stevie Wonder it's, I don't care what genre I can't even trust you it's just like dude are you kidding me so she said that she was playing that song in the house and the guy's like who is this? You know, thinking it's like Frank Zappa or something. And she's like, this is Stevie Wonder. And he's like, no way. It's like, yeah. Like he totally went there. Um, I love that track. And there's a song called um, Joy Inside My Tears, which is one of those songs that makes me feel happy and sad at the same time. He has, he always had that for me. There's some, some Stevie, Stevie could be dark. He can, he had dark love songs or love songs that really hit you for all the is, isn't she lovelies. And I just call to say, I love you beautiful songs, but he has songs like, where were you when I needed you last summer? And you're just like, Oh God, Stevie. Um, and there's something about that tune joining inside my tears. It's even more the sound. Like it's like a deep minor sound. And then it goes, it's major but the sound of it is so eerie. There's a very eerie quality to that, that tune for me. And uh, I don't know, I played, I played that song a lot, a lot. It's not one I think people mention that much when discussing this album. It's, it's not one of those big ones, but uh, it's just, I can listen to it. And at the end, he does the same progression over and over and over and over. And it's just like, yeah, man, do it another five minutes. I can listen to that tune forever. Those are, those are my three. All right. How about you, Joe? So Sir Duke just makes me so happy every time I hear it. It just is like, like that it's such, it has such like a positive energy to it. And again, that's like Kelsey said, that's like one of the popular ones. You've heard it a million times. You're going to continue to hear it throughout the rest of your life. And you, should, you shouldn't be mad about that. Like, that's a good thing to happen, right? So I, I really like that one. Um, but for me, I think uh, Summer Soft was really, like, so beautiful. And it's, like, so simple. And it really showcases his, 
you know, his his lyric writing, which to me, and this is probably just my own ignorance, I didn't realize how sophisticated it was, you know, because I just heard the pop songs, right? And that one, it, it really, like, it, it takes you, like, through the seasons and it's subtle and it's beautiful and it showcases his voice and just his, his gentle, like, keyboard skills, which are, are pretty incredible. Um, so that one is one I... I think I would listen to over and over again. Um, and it's kind of like hidden a little bit. It's on, you know, the backside of the first, I guess it would have been the first record. <laughs> um, and it's after uh, Pastime Paradise. But um, but yeah, that, that one is one that I, I, I really liked a lot and I could listen to all day. What about you, Dan? Did you have one or two that really stuck out for you? Yeah, I mean, once again, you've stolen my thunder because I love <laughs> because I love Summersoft as well, um, and uh, I, I just love the way that song that song builds. And I won't uh, I won't belabor the point too much since you you said a lot of you know the thoughts that I had, um, and it it is like a, a very cool like melancholy love song and but its greatness is in the details like that weird chord progression that happens in between the verse and the chorus and the fact that the song seems to have like eight key changes at the mm -hmm. end because he just keeps going up and up and up his register um so can we so just that... stop can, we, can i just interrupt you for a minute because harmonically this is way more complicated than pop music from the 70s like significant and he makes key changes all the time and i mean this is my my just you know hypothesis but like much of these albums were made just like in studio sessions right like he came with his ideas and and some you know obviously he he had thought about some of the lyrics and some of the musical themes and then they kind of just like played and figured it out as they went and that's why you get all these complex harmonies because somebody just did it once and they're like, oh, that's that's cool. We're gonna keep that in. And we might make other variations of this tune, but that one is gonna stay in for the final version, right? <laughs> and um, and so I think that was really cool. So, sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I thought we should just take a moment to talk about some of those weird like harmonic things that, we, that, that pop up all over the place in, in, in this album. Yeah, so there were there were two other songs that really uh, caught my attention and that were very memorable for me. Uh, they both happened to be like eight to nine minute long <laughs> grooves <laughs> <laughs> that just don't feel that way because they just sound so good. Um, so the the first one I want to mention is Black Man because the the keyboards on that. Oh, are <laughs> yeah go ahead go what'd you say Kelsey? go ahead oh funky just yeah so oh, funky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly and and it's not just it's not just one it sounds like there's like two or three different parts that are just all just jamming i mean that groove is so fucking tight and well we, we have to we have to listen to it again but kelsey mentioned this and and i and i, I found something in the interim they had 
this crazy instrument for this for this album. It was a Yamaha GX1, which is this giant like synthesizer. It has three keyboards. It has foot pedals. It's it's this crazy thing. They paid in 1975 when they were making this. I guess they paid sixty thousand dollars to rent the thing. Jeez. Which, which I which adjusted for inflation, that's like a three hundred twenty thousand dollar investment they made for this thing to do those crazy keyboard things that Dan was just describing, right? Wow. Didn't know that. That's crazy. Wow. Right. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I mean, they were just kind of pull, pulling out all all the artistic freedom, right, my friends? Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah, exactly. world. <laughs> exactly. Lots <laughs> of money. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just so good. And it's, you know, that song is nearly nine minutes long and you just want to keep banging your head to that to that groove. And um, it's like, there, there's, a, there's a, a little bit of a break in that song where it kind of cools off a little bit, like just at the point where you might be thinking like, all right, let's, let's wrap this up. And it gives you, and, and that sounds great in and of itself. And it gives you like just enough relief that when, bam, he, he brings the, the groove back again, that you're just like, yeah, now I'm back, now I'm back into this. Cause it's just like <laughs> relentless it's, and it's so great. And, and I really appreciated the way that kind of like the, the, the tension and kind of like the frantic nature of 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 the rhythm and the tempo of that song is the perfect backdrop for the political content because it kind of feels like the song is in a hurry because there's like this urgency to fix this shit you know what i mean um so like the urgency of the music matches the urgency of the lyrics and i just really liked all that um, he packs a lot of history in nine minutes or eight minutes of that song. It's that's a, another thing I thought was really cool, like the whole ending. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. listening to it, it's like, oh wow, you're getting a history lesson in this pop funk jazz joint, and it works because the groove is there. And then it's like it's going too quick. It's like, okay, guys, you got two minutes to throw in, <laughs> like, <laughs> of anyone besides Martin Luther King. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh man, you're you're right. Like, of all of the um, of all of the historical figures that are mentioned, I don't I don't remember hearing Martin Luther yeah. King, and I and I listened to that song like three times. Yeah, I don't um, remember. Yeah, yeah. but that's anyway. Cool about it, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then the the last one I'll talk about that I liked was um, Another Star. And that one mm. kind of, that ha that one happens late in the album. And just when you think you've heard everything, jazz, funk, soul, blues, he drops like the best freaking disco song you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's just more awesome horns. It's, um, I forgot to check who's playing the drums, but it's like, that perfect like disco hi-hat sound um and you've got a, a killer like vocal hook from the backgrounds singers and again he gives you a little bit of a break and it's this awesome drum break at about five minutes 
then there's a flute solo. <laughs> and, of course there uh, is, right? Exactly. In the 70s, exactly. right? Go on, go on. Um, and uh, and then you know, but and then it kind of you know gets back into the main groove of the song and and goes on for for a few more minutes and uh, you know, just like you were saying, Kelsey, it's it's eight minutes long and I just don't give a damn. Like just right. keep going, I don't care. Um, so. Yeah, the disco stuff in here, like that one, and then, I mean, and, and and the way that I listen to it, it goes right into Saturn, which is also like a very disco song, which is cool. Um, and and again, like I never thought of Stevie Wonder in that way, like to 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 be thinking and 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 like creating music of that style. But there it is, next to all this other great stuff. So. All right, so at this point in the program, do we kind of attempt the impossible task, which is, you know, normally around this time, you know, Joe and I will start talking about some things that, you know, maybe didn't work as well, or, you know, just just a few criticisms that we have. And, you know, I don't think anything is beyond criticism, but I also think that we're going to sound really silly <laughs> trying to think of something, think of something that we don't like. But I mean, what the hell? No, let's, let's do it. Anyway. Let's do it anyway. Kelsey, Kelsey's just out. Kelsey's got nothing. Joe, do you have anything? Uh, that this is just like personal to me. But so, like, isn't she lovely? It's he's singing about like his new. I believe it's like his newborn daughter. And it's a beautiful song, right? But I, I really, for that song, in my head, it always starts at the chorus, right? But when you listen to the full track, the beginning of it is a baby crying. And that just, like, stresses me out. So, like, maybe, maybe not put that in there as a father of four kids, like, not have a kid crying. <laughs> that, that would be the one thing I would say. That's good. <laughs> but besides that, I'm good. I, I have nothing else to, negative to say about this. You know, I, I kind of thought I kind of thought the same thing, like about that and kind of the other child, uh, you know, just child sounds that you hear in that song, because like you're getting in the way of my harmonica solo, man. <laughs> but, but, Shut the kid up. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the same time, if you really think about it, and especially uh, you know, especially 40, you know, 40 years ago, over 40 years ago, um, I think it was pretty just kind of brave, actually, of him to just be like, you know, I'm a father, like, th this is my unabashed love for my child. And it's, it's, and I think like the crying, the sounds in the bath, like, the bab babbling of the kid and stuff like that kind of takes you out of that idealism a little bit right it's like the unfiltered version of fatherhood yeah right? yeah you yeah, know sure. interesting but, but at the same time you know i'd still you know on a daily basis i'd still rather hear the harmonica but <laughs> um i would say probably with that song i would play it and then i'll probably cut so i'd you know, I 
don't know if I will go and listen to all of that. Although it's great and I have many, many, many day. I love it. It's a great song. I love everything about it. But that might be the one where I'm like, okay, cool. I got the four minutes now. I've heard the baby in the tub thing over and over. Let's get to the next yeah. cut. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, it was a bad thing. I'm just saying me personally, I know how I am on my shuffle and when I'm playing the song, then that might be the one tune where I do that. I'm not criticizing it at all because I love the song, but <laughs> I get the gist of it. Um, and then it's like, okay, cool. Love the kid and just let me go on. To the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, track. right. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, and, Danny, uh, are you ready to walk the tightrope? Do you have anything you want to... <laughs> you know, I, I had a thought about another song and I'm debating. You know what? I'll just go ahead and, and, and do it. Um, uh, and the, the kind of the one song that's a little bit of maybe like a skip for me is Village Ghetto Land. Really? And, really? Yeah. Wow. And, and I like that one. Oh, it's, it's taking a piss at everybody. It's <laughs> Woo! awesome. Woo! Okay, I'm ready for your I'm ready for your slings and arrows. Okay, but the strings. The, well, okay. So, and here's and here's the reason. Um, like obviously the the content of the song and just kind of like presenting the you know the starkness of poverty in the city and and stuff like that is in line with a lot of the other um, themes he's explored in the album. And I think it fits very well in that sense. Um, I just find it like a little bit flat in a dynamic sense. Um, it, it just ends up feeling a little bit monotonous because there's not really any dynamic changes. There's no, it's the one song I think where there's no other instrumentation other than you know, Stevie and what sounds like, I mean, to me, it sounds like those are not real strings. Like those are synthesizer strings and that that sound just wasn't appealing to me. Like if, if that's gonna be the only instrument in your song, I, I don't know. So that's just kind of like a personal little gripe, I guess. Um, but go ahead, let me have it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel that at all. Okay. <laughs> I'm blown away that it's just strings and it's, you know, I, I love that song. I, yeah. It's so different because there's a lot of dynamic. I think there's so much going on. And this one is like, all right, we're going to, you know, give you this thing lyrically and you're really gonna, I mean, you can hear all the lyrics on, on the album and it's there, but that one, it's so prominent and it's almost like the strings are backing up the story of the situation. It's almost like this is, I mean, they're all lyrical songs, but mm -hmm. that one is like, okay, no one gets in the way of the lyrics here. And uh, I don't know, I just love the string arrangement. I just think it's like, it's so, you know, I don't know. I, I, I really like that. Too. I, I agree. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Everything he, he Kelsey just <laughs> said, I agree with. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, just that just speaks to the versatility of this album to put that also like that's the third track on the whole thing, right? 
And he's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and this is important to me. I'm putting it at the beginning. Early. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I'm going to put it in there and it's important to me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't have any problems with that one. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> no, that's fine. Sorry, Dan. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We all, we all don't have to like the same. <laughs> yeah, we we all don't have to like the same things, and um, you know, and I and uh, I I appreciate kind of like because it's like stark subject matter, and he does want you. To, you know, I thought it was obvious that he did want to make sure that you that you heard all the lyrics on that one. Um, okay, I just maybe wish he was on piano or or, or something like that. I'll be honest with you. What's the very last song, the other instrumental? I won't sing it because of rights and stuff like that. You never know. Um, Easy going evening. Yeah. yeah. I love that song. It's but beautiful. When I first heard the album, it was the song I just didn't want to play. Mm -hmm. And it's the song that grew on me, you know, as the years went by. You know, I would say to myself, okay, people would be like, oh, what's your favorite Stevie? And I'm like, man, that's hard. It's kind of like there's two or three that fluctuate and it's usually talking book, inner visions and songs in the key of life. And if I didn't say songs in the key of life, I would say, well, because there's a few songs like that one I don't gravitate towards. And now I'm like, I can't see how I said that. You know, it's just, nah. it's, I love the piece, but I remember, you know, upon first listening of this album, that was one that I didn't, you know, play much at at the time when I was younger. But now I think it's incredible. It's just beautiful. It's just so laid back. It sounds like a good Sunday to me. <laughs> <laughs> agreed, agreed. I, I feel like we'd be a little bit remiss if we didn't talk, to, at least just briefly, um, about how this album, you know, obviously it was critically successful, commercially successful, but then the litany of people who have said, you know, artists who have, you know, great artists in their own right have said how much this album had an impact on them, right? At the time and since then, and even some of the sampling that has happened off of this album, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, who was, uh, you know, uh, and it's my own fault, I was not super familiar with this album. I would listen, you know, Pastime Paradise, that's on, that's gangster paradise, right? Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, and I wish you know, I think that was the one that was sampled by Will Smith. But I mean, yeah, that's was. Just, that that that's just another one that is just like, you know, that, that's just another testament of how great this album is. I mean, not that we haven't been saying it for the last however many minutes, but like that it still has that impact and that people want to, you know, take from it and build from it is, is a credit to this Stevie Wonder's genius. You know, it's just great. It's also this record where it's like, you know, it's such an iconic pop album, you know, and it's just so many people listen to so many different styles, like love this album. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of jazz heads love this record. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, the musicianship on the record is crazy too. You're caught up in how great the pop song, the, the songs are, and they're great pop songs, and lyrically it's amazing. But some of the playing on this record is like, damn, like it's ridiculous, you know. And I think it was one of those, you know, 
Steely Dan type of things where it's like, we're gonna have like 50 different players and, and or 100 players and we're gonna pick the best takes. And <laughs> I think it's something close to like 100 musicians on it. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. lot. I mean, Dan, I don't know if you got the final count, but it's a lot. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I didn't try counting on this one. I want because we uh, we took a look at uh, uh, Pet Sounds not too long ago, and there's like, you know, over fifty musicians yeah. on that, and you know, this has got to be way above fifty. <laughs> what you guys have to do, like after listening to this album, watch the classic albums uh, um, piece on songs in the key of life. Classic albums that they had uh, this thing where they would pick an album and they would uh, like 20 years later and they interview the people who were on the album, the interview. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. And the band, a lot of the band members get together 20 years later and they talk about the songs and they play. There's a great one for Steely Dan's uh, Asia and songs in the key of life, Stevie Wonders, it's Incredible. It's so cool. And they get a lot of those cats back. You know, Nathan East, I think. Um, wait, is he? No, I don't think he was there. Um, Mike Cimbello. But just, it's just a great piece. And I just love anytime when there's these things that dissect the making of these of these albums. And, you know, especially especially in the 70s. There's something about the process of the those albums that were made in the 60s and, and 70s that just blow me yeah. away. Yeah, it was like super collaborative. They did these like yeah. epic, like 12 hour long sessions. They just have like a ton of people in the room. They do like 80 different cuts. So we'll have to we'll have to see if we can find a link to that and put it in the show notes. Cause I, there was also uh, a lot of the information I got from this episode is from a Rolling Stones. Uh, basically it's like an oral history around this album. So we'll put a link to that as well. Um, Cause I, I found it super interesting, you know, from the contract negotiations through making it and how Stevie was pretty, pretty obsessive about, you know, the editing that was happening, you know, even post-production as he should be. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, it's just, you know, again, you know, the, the product speaks for itself. So uh, all the pain and suffering that went into it was well worth it. Here's my criticism. This is my criticism of the album. Okay, sure. here we go. That this album was so good that after this album, it had to go down. <laughs> that's my own, that's my criticism. I mean, look, the man keeps, he was raising the bar. Like every album, like Talking Book is incredible. Then it's like, I mean, that's an amazing album. How do you go from Talking Book to the next? Then it's first finale. It's like, wow, that's a great album. How are you going to top that? Or Inner Visions. And he, he kept topping himself. So by the time, you know, he was like, all my albums are A. And now Songs of the Key of Life is like an A++. So, you know, I was making a joke, like maybe the only thing that's left off of this is like really weird free avant-garde shit. So he does that <laughs> on the next album. And the next album was a secret life, a journey through the secret life of plants. And that was like, people were like, this shit is weird. What the fuck is this? You know, <laughs> where's Sir Duke? Where's I wish? So I love that he, I love that he just took a hard, weird artist turn and made an album that sounds closer to Wendy Carlos 
than it does, you know, to Stevie Wonder. It's, it's, that is a weird, weird album. And it wasn't a big seller, wasn't a huge hit. I think there was like uh, maybe one song, Send For Your Love, um, that was a, a minor hit, but coming off a song, and he took like three years off to do that next album. And it was, I think it was soundtrack to a movie. And it's a lot, I mean, Songs in the Key of Life says like what, maybe two instrumentals. This half of that album is instrumental and it's a double album. It's a, it's not easy to listen to. So after Songs in the Key of Life, it was like, oh man, you know? <laughs> and he had to dial it back and do the pop album again with Hotter Than July and then, you know, but um, yeah. All right. Well, does anyone have any other kind of final thoughts to offer on this? I, I, <laughs> long pause. I just, no. Well, well, well <laughs> as we usually say, I mean, just fucking phenomenal. And I think we've done it. Like this, yeah, this thing is, is just amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah. I just My have, final... oh, go no, ahead, Kelsey. I'll let you, I'll let you go first. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I, I only have two final thoughts and they're very short. One, I can't believe it took me this long to uh, take mm -hmm. a deep dive on Stevie Wonder. And two, he's a genius and an American treasure. And that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. My final thought is um, like maybe 30 years later, I think approximately 30 years later, he had a tour, Songs of the Key of Life tour, where they did the whole album, which to uh -huh. me, sounds like homework if you're in that fucking band like I, I'm like oh my god like there's no way this man is gonna do a whole tour of that album of that son and he did i wish i saw that tour that is i got to see stevie once which is cool but um maybe a couple of years ago but i do regret that is a regret not seeing a live version of this album and you know and he still sounds great you know, mm -hmm, he's, mm -hmm. sometimes people get older and, and they don't have that same, you know, fire live. And then uh, there's other people who still sound amazing live. And he's one of them. So, and the band was just incredible. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff on YouTube, but uh, that I wish. I wish I saw the Songs in the Key of Life tour, which was sometime in the 2000s. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, as we wrap it up here, I want to, again, thank Kelsey for spending some time with us this evening. It was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that you uh, came on the show. And Thanks, um, is there anything that you want to plug? Do you want to let people know, you know how to find you on social media and stuff like that? Sure. Um, find me under black emoji, B-L-A-K emoji, no C, because you'll get a billion of those hits, but uh, B-L-A-K dot emoji on Instagram and just uh, at black emoji on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, new singles called Swooning On You. Check it out, download it. And my first full solo show for this year will be at The Loft at City Winery on August 1st with uh, Larissa Birdseye, who's also great, by the way. So if you're in the area, New York City, come on out. All right. Awesome. And we'll make sure to... Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Kelsey. If you do download my stuff and listen to it, 
play it before Stevie Wonder, not after, because it's <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well uh, said. <laughs> even, I'm just being honest. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> uh, well, this this has been uh, a lot of fun. We'll make sure to uh, put all those links in there and uh, link to uh, all of uh, Kelsey's social media and everything in the show notes. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening, everybody. For the rest of the summer, there's going to be a bit of a change to our regularly scheduled programming. Summer is a busy time for everyone, so rather than take a hiatus, we've decided to do a handful of shorter episodes, each devoted to discussing one of our favorite songs. As usual, new episodes will drop on Sundays. In September, we'll be back to our full-length episodes, and there's a lot of cool stuff we have planned. We encourage you to check out our merch store which is always linked in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your friends, loved ones, and even your enemies. In any case, we're just happy you're on this journey with us. See you next time.